You're listening to the Global Sport Matters podcast. From academia to media, Kenneth Shropshire and Bill Roden explore the edges of sport, unpacking race and culture beyond the game. Over the next series of episodes, Ken and Bill examine progress versus change, a central theme outlined in Ken's book, In Black and White, Race and Sport in America. Along their journey, they will reflect on the historical moments in the context of sports today, hoping to discover new pathways towards an equitable future. Well, welcome to the show. This is Old Heads, New Thoughts on the Global Sport Matters podcast. I'm Ken Shropshire, and I'm here with my colleague, friend, Nemesis. <laughs> Nemesis. <laughs> you keep every every week you keep adding something. <laughs> but but I'm consistent with one thing. The great Bill Roden. <laughs> yeah. Bill Hart. Hey Ken, how you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We we did that last week, didn't we? Oh we did. Sorry. <laughs> so, it's, still, it's still a new year. Yeah, we never established what's the cutoff point. When do you <laughs> when do you when can you not tell people Happy New Year. You know, like politically when you're still trying to like, you know, vibe with somebody and say, oh, Happy New Year. When, do you, when can you no longer, today is, the, you know, like, when, when can we no longer say that? Yeah, I think, I think we're there, Bill. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Wait, wait for t- the next new year is 2024. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. All right. Well, so, good to be here. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's right. What I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I ended the last show talking about if the creek don't rise, something like that. <laughs> God will creek don't rise. So evidently, the creek did not rise. Although in California, there's some creek is rising. So <laughs> I, I apologize, California. <laughs> Little did I know I had that kind of power. They they were trying hard to keep us off off the air this week. <laughs> but Bill, we got. Uh, at least three topics I, I, I think we, we should talk about. You know, first is DeMar Hamlin and, and how the NFL uh, fared this week, how things were handled and the like. Um, yeah. uh, it, it, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Here it comes, Black Monday. Okay. Although it's, uh, it might have to start calling it Black December, January, because bodies are falling already. And can we... Just, just for the sake, although we're a month removed from Black History Month, can we c- contemplate doing something about Black Monday? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, this is 20, 2023, Ken, and we're still referring to the worst day, the darkest, darkest day, darkies day in NFL calendar to something negative using Black Black Monday. Why does it got to be Black Monday? You're doing your best. Muhammad Ali, where was that at college campus? He's holding a message to the black man talking about, and and the angel food cake is white, but the devil's food cake is black. black. <laughs> <laughs> I think those food the cake angels, is- the angels are white. The devil, you know, I mean, you know, the, the hero, the hero comes in with a white hat. The bandit is black. I mean, you know. All right. Well, if if you insist, uh, I'll, I don't. I'll let that go. I'll let the NFL have its Black Monday. <laughs> if you insist, Ken. <laughs> oh, it's this time me again. See, <laughs> you, am, you went to Stanford, now. and I went to HBCU. <laughs> See, <laughs> and I am now on page seven hundred forty-two of Uncle Tom's cabin. So <laughs> you can't quite put that stuff on me yet. I'm going to give a full. As I was reading this week, I'm going to give a full. We're going to devote at least fifteen minutes of show for me giving a full book report on Uncle Tom's cabin. 
and the misuse of the uh -oh. term Uncle Tom. Okay. I can't wait to hear that. That's where I am so far. That's where okay. I am. Okay. I can't wait to hear that. But have you, you haven't got to the point where he talks about the NFL Black Monday? Where Uncle Tom talks about <laughs> Black Monday? You haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was put at as an addendum. <laughs> Brad, that should oh, be man. just the uh... too much, man. I'm have, now, now I got to go back and read Uncle Tom's count. <laughs> oh God, oh, no, it's it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it's really it's really tough. It's starting off like Monday, but 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 all you know. So there is is good news. Um, at least in terms of the progress of, of DeMar Hamlin. And uh, as we're recording this, um, he was able to go home from Cincinnati to Buffalo, to, to a hospital in Buffalo uh, yesterday. So, so that is, is good news. But we, we got a chance to watch the NFL and, and how they handled things. You know, you and I probably mean more than you sort of reference, you know, what are they going to do at moment of silence or, or how are they going to do things? And NFL did those things they normally do. A lot of people wearing number three in the head sweatshirts with kind of, you know, slogans related to uh, best thoughts for, for DeMar and the like. What was your over, overall thought about how the NFL handled this, this you know, most unique of moments for, for the enterprise? Well, just at a human level, it just is a human level before we get to the NFL PR machine, which once again, the NFL proved that it's got the great, the greatest PR machinery in the history of professional sports. I mean, great PR. They were pumping out that. But before I get to that cynical take, uh, I, I just say that just I'm 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 happy that that he's improving, you know, and as a thank God for being 24 and being in great shape. And I'm really happy for him. I'm happy for his family and, and all that. But, you know, Ken, the consistent things you heard from all the players was that what was holding them back, you know, from being able to go out and play with full reckless abandon, <laughs> you know, is that they wanted to know that he was okay. Right. right? And so the NFL, you know, and let it be known, with every we are getting a, we are getting a marvelous play-by-play. Every twenty one getting play by plays about uh oh he's opening his eyes. Oh, he wrote a letter to the doctor. Oh, he said, uh his uh love you, bro. Um, you know, love you, you know, love you boys, you know, and then we are getting play by play to let everybody know, you know, players, fans, listen, it's just trending in the right direction. So you guys get you know, get your spirits up to get ready to play these games that you're gonna play. So that was good. And um, generally, I thought, you know, uh, you know, they did, the NFL did a great job in the Bills of giving us up to dates with his continued improvement. So that part was good. And I think uh, by game time, now I must admit, I took my 98 year old mother. I was in Las Vegas Saturday, and I took my 98 year old mother, who's a big football fan to the Las Vegas Raiders Kansas City game. Wow. You know. You you, you you win. You're the son of the year and it's only only January. You win the son of the year award already. Yeah. It, That's wonderful. Well good. I appreciate your vote. Yeah, my brother who lives in Germany, uh, we collaborated 
and one of my uh, mother's former neighbors uh, collaborated to take her to the game. And, uh, you know, she had a great time. And, and But you were also able to see inside the stadium everything they'd done, you know, on the field. The number three right. was, like, enlarged and the scoreboard pregame tribute and everybody's wearing, you know, T-shirts and all that. So clearly it was... It was um, it was remarkable. Everybody was feeling the good news, and I, and I guess Ken, how you feel about this? It was again. I, I start off by saying the NFL's got this great PR machine. So by kickoff, everybody was feeling great. There was no guilt. You know, you could feel. You know, you could watch the games and celebrate guilt free. <laughs> you know that that you can <laughs> that you can totally embrace the experience, knowing that. The young guy who, you know, who, who, you know, collapsed five days ago was doing okay. Not that people weren't still, this, you, Kansas State still lost Frank Clark to a concussion. I mean, you know, people still getting jammed up, but there was good news. So, yeah, so, again, I don't know how you felt about it, but generally I guess I'd have to give the NFL, uh, uh, the medical team, an A, for how they immediately were at the scene and took care of Hamlin. I give the uh, the Bills and the NFL A for how they disseminated information. And uh, I give the players A and the Players Association A about how they showered uh, uh, Hamlin and his family with like love and all that and give the PR machine an A plus for how they made us all feel better and guilt-free that we can enjoy the game without feeling any kind of shame. This is, this is Bill Roden from his uh, professor's <laughs> office at the Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University, giving out grades. So, <laughs> <laughs> they have everyone. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty easy grader, A's and A pluses for everybody. Uh, but how, how about, you know, it, it even... Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, especially on the PR machine, but also just luck. When when the Bills first play kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, just everything fell in place <laughs> in a way that only the NFL could have. Only the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> only the NFL, you're right. <laughs> only, only this crew. <laughs> so... So yeah, you know, and as we watch this, you know, from my put on my kind of business school hat and how to deal with impossible situations and crises and, and that sort of thing, I mean, the NFL really did come through strong on this. I, I think the the one lingering point, just saw a piece yesterday about it, was and 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 this is how this is how this is how you guys do the press. Uh-uh. You know, I'm, I'm like Prince Harry. I'm gonna go straight to the press. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and Prince Harry are bad mouth the press, but but the idea, uh, uh, which one is Joe Buck? Which one is he now? So I, I forget which Joe one. Buck. Yeah, the, yeah. No, he's he's standing his ground, as they say. That oh no, I was told that there's going to be a five minute warm up, and this game is going to resume. This oh, he's still back to that. He's still still with that, and so there is a lot of conversation about that issue. Which really, you get to the point. You know where I've gotten on that is. Maybe that was the conversation, and maybe that is typically, as you said, with the concussions of, of, of this weekend, 
that's the way the league operates. Let's see how things go, and then let's let's get back underway as soon as possible. And and next on the checklist, um, and maybe it's just recently added uh, in, in the way that we saw it, uh, we will do whatever needs to be done if there's an extraordinary occurrence, uh, injury that occurs on the field of play. So that's the one holdover I've seen from the this crisis management moment. Yeah, and I, I would tend to... I would tend to back up Joe Buck just because I said just watching the game it, when I was in Baltimore, the defensive unit was clearly walking back on the field. Right. I mean, you know, like they would in any other extended injury situation where after it's cleared up, after the ambulance goes and all that, they walk back to the field. So the defensive unit was clearly walking back on the field. They showed Joe Burrow was clearly warming up. Was clearly warming up, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the so, – yeah, maybe at some point, I'm sure at some point they said we ain't playing anymore. But I know the defensive unit of the Buffalo Bills felt either because of out of habit or whatever, they said we're getting ready to strap it up and go back. <laughs> <laughs> go like Joe Frazier against George Foreman. And you know, he's trying to, you know, Jack, yeah, no, it's actually in Thriller Manila, where after Ali had just put that thing on and uh Joe Frazier's man. Uh, Matt Yank, was it Yank, Yank Durham? Yank Durham, right. Yeah, <laughs> look at the referees and no more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so somebody told the players they were getting ready to go back up there and they had no more. Unlike <laughs> Rocky from Phillies, who had an eye swung up to, to, to no, no <laughs> limits, said, cut it, and they cut it off, and he gets back in the ring and goes <laughs> I mean, this sports thing is something else. <laughs> you can't must, make it up. We must finish Cubston. Oh, the hero to Roberto Duran, no mas. That, that's the way you got to deal with these guys. Like, yeah, at some yeah. point, just say, I'm not going out. Right. Yeah, Duran said, no mas. I'm not no going mas. out with this fool. <laughs> and, and, or Sonny Liston staying on the stool and <laughs> throw the towel in. him. So, yeah. or, or the next night, staying on the, on the canvas. <laughs> Ali had to tell him, get up. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> the, the anchor punch. Got it. <laughs> oh, brother. You can't, you know, people, I don't know if you ever got that, you know, people say, well, you know, man, why don't you guys write fiction? So, man, we've been writing fiction. You can't, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and, and, and just how quickly, talk about the NFL PR thing. I mean, how quickly they had the teachers ready. You know, I mean, every single team in the NFL, all the teams have the T-shirts. Yeah, you I wonder know. who manufactured those. That, that is interesting. To, if, if That's a great question. You don't want to ask that now. <laughs> if Fanatics was in on that, were they made in the USA? I, we can find some things to criticize. <laughs> were they, that's, where were they made? Were they made sweatshots in Thailand? <laughs> <laughs> How does that balance out? All right. So, so I, in the end, uh, congratulations, uh, NFL. And for, for, for the way you, you handle things, it, it does seem um, that given the tragic situation that the, the league did as well as could be done. And we're just pleased that DeMar Hamlin continues to, to progress and, and, and be better. That, that's yeah. the most important. All, all, all our joking aside, that's the most important thing. That is the most important thing, you know. So uh, the, the, day, the first day of the week upon which – Many people are fired. 
That's, is that staying in for Black Monday? I don't know. If that's well, well, just for the sake of this comment, this will be the last time in this time that we refer to as Black Monday. <laughs> we'll come up with something else. We, we will not use this. We will not be using this term anymore. I, I, I don't say we call it White Monday because we don't want to get the Republicans to, you know, pick it in front you're of really, you. You're really messing up my entire vocabulary. You could, you know, I, I, I think I used the N-word last week and, and I, I've gotten criticism for for that. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that you you were in the Uncle Tom Cabin's <laughs> so all those terms. Well, it was good in 1864. <laughs> but okay. But we got don't you I, I don't want to twist your arm, but you know, I mean Black Monday, doesn't it? I don't know. Does, how does it hit you? <laughs> we must just ask you directly. <laughs> so instead of making the assumption, no, no. Every time I hear it, it strikes me, especially in the context of of the way we discuss this issue, is it does tend to impact black men now. I mean, even though if we go through the list of those fired thus far, and we and we go beyond this this kind of later part of the season, so uh, the Cardinals with Kingsbury. Lovey is is a, a lone black man who's been fired thus far. Uh, how many more? How many more black coaches can they fire? I mean, <laughs> you can only you can only fire as many of them. Tom's not going to get fired. What's his name uh, at uh, North Carolina? At, at Carolina. Well, he may not get the job. He's, he's interim, so you can't fire somebody who doesn't have the job. Right. And uh, and Tampa's in in the playoffs, so. So that that's good. anybody I've forgotten? I'm trying to think, man. Sadly, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, that, you can't fire. You can't. You don't. You only have two more people to fire. Yeah, and Tom. Well, Tom. Well, Tom was not going to fire. Yeah, Tom's not going to get fired. So we got Kingsbury, Lovey, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. So so that that did not work. He in, needed to be fired at Denver. Uh, Frank Wright. Um, from the Colts, you know, who with the great replacement just Saturday, <laughs> which was was a whole nother show. It's a whole nother show. Try not to venture back to that. And and Matt Rule, um, uh, at Carolina, who, yeah. you know, uh, it, it kind of gives us a segue to talk about college coaches if we want to at some point, and how that that just has not worked. Uh, oh, man. And even though it hasn't worked, I mean, kind of the last people that had worked with, Denny Green, you know, was right. kind of the last, the folks that it didn't work with were, you know, was, you know, again, uh, in of one to a few examples, the black coach from, uh, <laughs> from, from college as opposed to all these others. So, but it's not likely, thanks, Matt, it's not likely that we're going to see another college coach that hasn't had the NFL run uh, get, get the experience to come through. But so we got five so far. Um, what, what can we anticipate this time in terms of the hiring of black coaches? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking about this, even in the context of DeMar Hamlin, because, you know, everybody was so consumed with that and the NFL turned into the hero. And you just had to remind yourself of this, like, underside, this, this really dirty, we'll call that a black underside, you know, of how the league just has this persistent problem with hiring black people. You know, it's okay for, you know, 60% of the league, the DeMar Hamlins of the world, to be crashed into each other and given life and limb. 
you know, but the idea of, you know, earning the right to become head coaches in any number, any any number resembling their their presence in the league has just been an uphill struggle because the 32 owners just refuse. What's the, the stat you always cite? X number of teams have never had a black coach. I yeah. is it is it eighteen? It's it's some it's some number. It's a very high number. Yeah, yeah. I've never. I mean, think about it. never had a black coach. Never had a we'll black coach. See if our producer can pull this up from Global Sport Matters. Yeah, that never had a, a black coach. And it'll be interesting too to see if, if somebody uh, reduces that number this year. I, you know, is is uh, you know, so, so yeah. I'm looking at looking at the list. Uh, the, the Colts have had a black coach. The Carolina, I guess, uh, they've had interim. Uh, uh, so the Broncos have had one. Let's see. The Texans. Um, <laughs> the Texans. Think about that. I mean, the Bears have had one. Was the same guy. It's loving. Well, and Cully. I mean, think about that. So that that's the other element. Is is they? This is the classics. Classic conversation with this, and when when I I wrote in black and white, uh, you know, back in the '90s, every conversation I had about getting the the black person get the coaching opportunity in whatever sport, they talked about the comparison was almost every time about getting the worst house on the block. <laughs> yeah, you can get so the Texans have really amplified that. Although we, you know, a little bit of change that took place in terms of the job at, at, at Tampa, you know, that that, that was. In that moment, a, a good job, and we'll we'll see how how that turns out. And remember, Tampa uh, uh, can you know they sort of you know because you had Dungey at Tampa, yeah, uh, and then you have uh, Raheem Morris. Yeah, Raheem Morris too, right? Raheem Morris did a year at, at Tampa, and now uh, um, uh, um, what's the name of the job at uh, in Tampa, um, largely because Bowles, yeah. Yeah, Todd Bowles, largely because um, uh, the guy who, who preceded him, Bruce Arians, said this Bruce is what you do. Yeah. Handpicked him, said yeah, he is my, he is following me. Yeah, well, that so we have seen that work. It was it was all Bruce Arians, and then we saw it with Tony uh, in terms of Jim Caldwell, right, at Indianapolis. So, and we That's, see that in you know the the framing. You know, again, bring a little business school in here. The idea of you know mentorship is one thing, and education, and sort of all these special programs, another one. But actual sponsorship and right. just going in the room and saying, "This is my guy, do this." Right. That that's what tends to make it happen. Right. And in none of these circumstances of jobs that are open now, do we really see um, a sponsorship? So, so we want to apologize to uh, everybody that that feels that that uh, we lean the wrong way on on race. We're too extreme. Our producer, Kendall Jones, don't blame it on her. Uh, <laughs> our study showed that 11 teams have never hired a permanent head coach of color. So, aha, uh -huh. so, so that still may be, because, uh, because, you know, th then we've got uh, our, our, a couple of Latino coaches. We've got, uh, Robert Sala. Right. So I don't I don't know exactly where we are in terms of, of, of black coaches, but but that gives gives an idea. I mean, it's, a significant it's still it's still a, a, over a third of the league has never had. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah.
of where, where the league is 60, 70% African American. So no need, no need to apologize for that. <laughs> so, so any new ideas on what can be done? Or yeah, we've talked ideas? about this ever since we've known each other. <laughs> and I think the answer then is the same answer now, which is no, you got these, you know, 30, now 32, you know, you know, white men, with the exception of the guy down in Jacksonville who's adopted white sensibilities, uh, um, you know, who have just essentially created this wall of resistance saying that we're not going to be pushed into this. We're going to hire the same white guy. I mean, down at, at, at Carolina, here's a guy who just fires head coach, the guy he hired because he looked like him, Tepper. He hired, he hired his previous guy because it reminded of him. So then he fired him, himself. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, the interim coach uh, has done a heck of a job, you know. And now the first thing he does is reach out to Harbaugh and, you know, whatever other likely suspect he can get outside of giving this guy who's really earned it a legitimate shot at the job. Yeah. Um, and it, it is interesting, too. You mentioned Harbaugh. He's, he's new, the new shining star and the, the likely – candidate, hot candidate, that kind of stuff. And uh, you, you want to say, anybody remember Eric Bieniemy? I mean, that, mm -hmm. that name is, is not surfaced on many of the lists. I was going to review in the articles today. Byron Leftwich is has popped up some yeah. as a possibility, but certainly not in the way that he had. D'Amico Ryans, um, and we'll see how far the 49ers go. That's that's a name that's that's emerged. Um so, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. But, but you're right, Bill. It's you know you and I've talked about this forever, and and we've been in you know top secret committees working on the Rooney Rule and this and that, <laughs> top secret, not so secret committees, and it's it's such a, <laughs> a secret frustrating conversation, right. you know. And and often, most often, it is uh, black men sitting in a room. You know, and a recent occurrence and some some black women as well, um, and it's it's always sort of in preparation to have conversations in the larger white room where the decisions will be made. And you know, I, I have in the, in the past couple of years been saying, you know, this script really needs to be flipped. This this is should no longer be the responsibility of the powerless people try to figure out what the new rules should be or how to do this or what fines to put in place right. or, or how to, do, how to figure out uh, uh, who's black and who's not to get credit for, <laughs> for hiring or developing. All these crazy things have emerged. And, you know, and this, this is where I thought that, that you were going to go directly, Bill, it's kind of the next topic and the, the closing topic to get to. And, 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 you know, when, when I think about this topic, I always think about, you know, this, we're not trying to, we'll get your uh, uh, Amazon numbers to go up three books or so <laughs> in, in 40, $40 million slaves. Um, you know, you, you wrote about this black ownership issue uh, as did I, and in some ways, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this too, we, we, we probably overly saw that, as a panacea, although you were talking about Bob Johnson didn't necessarily see, see it as such, but 
But when we try to figure out what would the answer be, the answer comes back around to this idea of black ownership. That if we're going to see black, more black coaches, the black ownership has to happen. And well, first, let, let me just get your your current thinking on on that, and, and then I'll go a little bit further. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that would help, you know, to an extent, you know, to have black ownership. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you see, you know, Michael Jordan, or how many black coaches is he hired? You know, maybe one or two. So, yeah, but I mean, th- yeah, it would help. How many black owners are you going to get in the NFL? Like maybe one and one black head coach, you know. Uh, I, I just think, <clears throat> to me, Ken, we keep going back to this. Imagine, you know, how the players, imagine how the players react to Ron DeMar Hamlin, right? They were very actively wearing T-shirts and really being, you know, what happens if they would do the same thing about the lack of black head coaches? If there would be the same furious reactions that T-shirts, hire black coaches, if there would be everybody, there would be this whole movement of players. Now you're right, that would not get the same reception <laughs> that there's others. There were prayer vigils, you know, and people holding hands and lighting candles. You know, that would not get the same. It would probably be more like lighting bonfire to burn these guys up. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, but I mean, imagine if there was that same kind of passion from these players saying that we're tired of you disrespecting us. You're saying that we could give life and nearly lose our lives playing this game, you know, but when it comes time for us at the end of our careers and when we want to be coaches, it's this unbelievable barrier that you guys just don't respect us enough uh, or you want to keep this stuff as a white domain. You know, what would, I don't know, what do you think would have happened had the players been as passionate about this issue as they were about DeMar? No, you've said this for a while. And, and I think a couple of years ago when, when you were, uh, on your, uh, uh, University of Lynx Avenue pulpit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Being my brother, brother, brother Malcolm, <laughs> when you on your pulpit, uh, on this, I think first time you were saying, I said, oh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. And, and this was, you know, it was sort of after all the, the George Floyd stuff and, and kind of in that moment where you you were really building up saying, well, the players need to do this. I, I have I have come around more and more to think that is more of a possibility. I think I think this is the Mar moment and and he said it's you know bigger than him and all that sort of stuff, that maybe the players will have a better feel for the power that they have. I think I think the missing piece though. Is it the players, do they really care about it? And we've talked about this before, is that you can't miss what you never had. Right. 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 Didn't have, haven't had the black coach. I mean, and so unless you can get their frame of mind and say, this is a job you might want to have, or this is a job that your colleagues might want to have, then you can't really get them in, into the into that place. But, it, you know, it's, we can already forecast. I mean, so it's probably going to be, in the end, seven, eight coaches fired, seven, eight jobs open. You know, if there's not a single African-American fired, hired, <laughs> man, we've had one fired already. If there's not a single one hired, how big will the uproar be? 
if, if one is hired, how and, and what difference will it make? And this this is kind of you know not to equate the the, the league with with Trump or or, or the techniques that are used. Uh, this guy, you know, uh, politicians that say you know everything goes away after a while. That that something bad can happen as long as you don't talk about it or you let it go. It's, so so I, I think that's a lot of what the league has figured happens in this space. Okay, we're, you know. <laughs> You, maybe it shouldn't be Black Monday. They have on the calendar this black spot, and it's okay. That's going to come, and then we just have to deal with it for a while. However, because right. the league too, I, I always give the league credit. The, the 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 Park Avenue office people in there have done what they can do. Right, and there's no more magic rules. I mean, they, they are co-conspirators with us in terms of trying to think of all this focus, focus stuff you can do to change human behavior. Right, exactly. You know, why, why in the world would you think you can't change human behavior, you know, by incarcerating them? Maybe it's, you know, the threat of jail or, or the, the death penalty. Why in the world is a draft pick or a $250,000 fine or something like that to make somebody do something that they they don't want to do? Right. So, so I don't know that... You know, you talk about spending energy and time on an issue. I, I don't know where we should go on this and how much time we should spend after it occurs other than saying, okay, there it is again, and, and then and then move, move on. Unless there is a way to get to, and, and this is this is my conclusion on it's the hearts and minds of the owners, whoever they are. Because because my, you know, my other thought would, would, would black ownership is, I haven't looked at this closely, I'm, I'm still engaged in a couple of different efforts, trying to find ways to to get uh, black people, Latino people, more women into the ownership kind of ranks, and you know the, the numbers just speak for themselves. The numbers and the interest. I mean, there certainly are people that that have the wherewithal to do it. Not many, um, but the idea of you know, I was talking with somebody today, you know, imaginary numbers that. You know, how much money do you need to have before you can say, okay, I'm going to put five, six, seven billion <laughs> aside? Or, or, or by the way, even if for a, a, a teeny tiny interest, a uh, hundred million. I mean, how much money do you have to have? So, uh, you know, even in people that I, you know, forget people, I know people that I read about. That's just, that's just a kind of a small kind of realm of people that, that can, can do so. A lot of the, the legal cases talk about, you know, there's all this discussion constantly about cross-ownership cross across leagues, that, that we want only owners that own teams in in one league because we want their full focus. Well, those laws, have, those rules have dissipated, and the courts talk about it because there are so few people that are in that stratosphere. So right. if you don't say you're going to be in one, you, you're going to limit yourself. And we're seeing that with, you know, the, the, the Red Sox ownership organization and others that are, are and certainly others that have, have bought, you know, teams in other leagues and, and, and elsewhere. So, so I don't know where we're going to go. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on this and, uh, you know, see, see how things turn out. That's, that's certainly my, you know, what am I looking at over the next, next couple of weeks? You know, we didn't even talk about the, uh, National Championship game. Like, oh God! It's such that, a such a dismal. <laughs> I mean, but that yeah, a friend of mine who was a, a he was a musician who was a huge uh, Georgia Bulldogs fan, and, and I, I chided him. I said, "How many of those people in the the, the fans uh, voted against voted for 
Herschel Walker and a guest. <laughs> How many of those people down there are these Trump-leaning Republicans see, who are voting against voting rights? Sports is supposed to be our escape. Why you want to you always equate sports with the problematic? It was it was not see, a good game. Where you go, go and, and yeah, I know. Here I go. You know, <laughs> all these brothers, man. I mean, if, if you, you again, you look at Georgia's team, man. It's like you looking at Howard and Graham. You know, <laughs> all these brothers on Georgia's team, and and people patting them on the back and cheering them and all that. But how many of those guys? I was just thinking. Remember. Uh, 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 Aubrey, the brothers who was shot, who was murdered. Ahmad Aubrey, yeah. Ahmad Aubrey, who was murdered. I mean, any one of those guys could have been him. Right. And those same people would have, like, killed him. And I want to ask some of these rednecks, you know, some of these guys, you know, what what would happen? What would bring you to some type of angst if one of your Georgia Bulldogs happened to be the one who was shot? Would that give you some kind of pause? What, what, what would... What would actually change your mind, you know? And uh, I don't know. I I, I I don't know that. But anyway, yes, it was a very convincing performance by the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as we close out, as as we finish talking about uh, uh, Demar, and we'll we'll continue to look at his progress. Uh, 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 not Black Monday. We'll come up with the right name for that. And that's what we'll call it. Not Black Monday. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, potential ownership solutions, and uh, an appropriate amount of time devoted to the national championship game, uh, which which was 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 not much to it uh, in terms of of, of viewing. I, w- I wait to see what those numbers come out like in terms of what viewership was. People shut that game off. Oh man, they had to shut it off the half. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I just heard they just scored another touchdown. And at the latest. Bill, uh, any, any uh, thing you're looking at for this for the coming weeks beyond uh, this stuff? Well, I am, I'm, you know, for everything I talk about the NFL, I am looking for the playoffs. <laughs> 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 you know, I, you know I, I, I've been writing this series of stories on Lamar Jackson. Right. Because I'm just con- in- intrigued by this brother, you know, and basically bet on himself, you know. And I'm just, I mean, it's become fascinating. It's really become this fascinating, particularly even in light of the DeMar Hamlin thing, where this brother's like said better on himself and said, you know, bro, he said, we're not going to negotiate anymore. You know, uh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prove my worth and all that. He's hurt and he hadn't played in like five games. And I'm kind of wondering what's going on every year, every week, because I don't know, you know. Now, either it's they do know. And this is like really just strategic because Lamar has been practicing in secret, you know, and it's like near a hundred percent and they're going to spring it on him or there's another strategy to play, you know, but clearly at this point, the Ravens got to know, okay, we've seen life without Lamar and we don't like it, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? So I am looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out. Yeah, um, it's interesting as, as you talk about it, I'm, I'm sure you know, this this is a going to be a, a greater piece of, of that series. The idea that if you have a Lamar or or you have a, a quarterback like Hertz, that this is just part of what you have to live with is is this injury piece that that's going to occur, as opposed to the you know big statue drop back quarterback of of old, and and that's got to be worked in, into the equation. And and especially with, with you know, and, and we had two down at at Baltimore 
but yeah. you have a backup. If you want, if you want that style to have a backup that plays in, in the same way, which goes to the issue of if we're going to talk about black quarterbacks, you know, the black backup quarterback, and 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 maybe there's going to be more value seen seen there in the end. But no, I, I look forward to seeing what what happens on that, and and I too will be be watching the playoffs no matter and and I'll be at the Super Bowl and all all that stuff Uh, so so ignore my my any hate that comes across (laughs) the lack of love for the game (laughs) I will be paying attention so in the suite (laughs) and I'll I'll be waiting next week man for your book reporter Uncle Tom's Cabin I don't know. I can't wait. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's a difficult read. I don't know if I'll be done next week. Give me some time. I may give you some uh, uh, preliminary insights. I have been taking notes to 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 keep myself away. You know that that, that was <laughs> the greatest book of of uh, that century or something or that that moment that that's really what turned the tide to focus us. It it, it does give you who, who did the voting. <laughs> Which what it does, I'll tell you what it does do. It gives you this, it really does give you in the, in the stilted language of Harriet Beecher Stowe of the day, it does give you this insight as to slave life and the relationship between the slave and the, the master and, and how bad it was and the idea of family being sold and will I be able to go with my family and all this stuff. So it does come across in a way that, you know, it, it was stated that, and, and all the slavery in the North, the people in the North just didn't really understand how severe it was. But that's preliminary report, number one. I think we lost uh, 18 of our listeners just, just on that segment alone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this has been uh, the Global Sport Matters podcast, Old Heads, New thoughts and a few old thoughts today too. So we didn't bring our young man on. We're going to bring him out the woodwork, man. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know, I, I don't think he, he probably didn't read Uncle Tom's Cabin either. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll, well, I was going to bring up somebody's name, but I won't. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll stop. We'll, we'll we'll bring that up next week. Yeah. All right, Bill. All right, Ken. All right. Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our senior coordinator of digital content is Brendan Clean. Our manager of strategic initiatives is me, Kendall Jones. And our marketing and event assistants are Luke Padway and Aiden Corrales. Find and follow us on Twitter. We're at Global Sport MTRS.